Welcome to the Naked Wellness Podcast. I'm your host, nutritionist, Michaela Shifley, the founder of KJ Wellness. On this podcast, we'll talk about all things nutrition and wellness. We'll cut through the bullshit information out there, debunk health myths, interview health experts, and give you actionable steps to help you become the best version of yourself. So go grab yourself a nice hot cup of coffee and strap in to hear the cold hard truths about health. Welcome back to the Naked Wellness Podcast. I'm so excited today because I have a special guest with me, Sarah, but we're sitting in the same room and I just think that's so cool. Like, don't get me wrong. I love like the virtual calls that you can do, but actually like being in the same presence as somebody doing this is a whole nother level. And so Sarah helps other women to fulfill their authentic potential without sabotaging their own health and happiness, which I just think is fucking awesome. So welcome, Sarah. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited for this episode. So let's start off. Let's go through like your own journey of kind of like what got you to where you are today to then help these women unlock their own potential as well. Yeah, I love that. Perfect. Okay, so uh, essentially what I'm doing is I'm a coach that helps women, as Michaela said, uh, unlock their potential, their authentic potential. So what I really mean by that is helping people to feel into what's actually right for them. Mm. Um, You know, growing up, we have a lot of external pressures projected onto us as to what we think our potential should be. Mm -hmm. And so what I'm really passionate about is helping people who know they have so much to give the world and really feeling into what that looks like for them. Where the, the health and the happiness component comes into is, again, because of the way that we're conditioned by society, We often feel or we internalize that to become successful and fulfill our potential, we need to put our health and our happiness at risk. So, um, you know, the burnout, the hustle culture, working, you know, really excessive hours Mm. in ways that isn't necessarily in alignment with what's best for us. So that's what I feel really called to help people with. Mm -hmm. And you personally, like, do you, did you, have you been through something like this as well? Definitely. So I think sort of in high school, um, it really goes back to that for me. I went to an all-girls private school and I think in that setting felt a huge amount of pressure Mm. to achieve academically. Also growing up for me, my parents are really quite successful and put a lot of uh, emphasis on academics. And so I think those two factors really made me internalise a lot of pressure that I then put on to myself to be really successful and do really well. So even finishing high school at that point, I was probably even burnt out then. Then going on to university uh, and further studies, always really felt like I needed to be showing up as my best. And mm. I think definitely did put my my health and my happiness on the back burner. Yeah. And it's so interesting, isn't it? Because I think we definitely live in a society and I felt this 100% living in Melbourne, especially that constant pressure to follow that structure that's set out for us, like go to school, graduate from school, go to university, graduate mm. with a degree, go straight into a job, work until you're like 60 and can finally then retire. And it's like, oh, but then you get to live your life. Exactly. And I remember like one of the moments that just hit home for me was I was watching this video and this woman had worked her whole life to retire at 60 because then she was like, oh, I'll finally be able to live my life. But by the time she got to 60, her body wasn't actually capable to go and do the things that she wanted to do. Like she had bad knees, her health was starting to deteriorate. Like she actually couldn't go and do what she thought she would be able to do at 60. And I was like, holy shit. Like I want something completely different. I don't want to, I guess, like follow that system that almost like the government puts out for us to do 
just to then get to 60 and then not be able to actually end up doing it. And that was a massive wake up call for me personally. Exactly. And it's so good that you could actually see that because a lot mm. of people don't. Mm. Another thing as well is I'll often say to people, if you were to get some really horrible diagnosis, and we all know what that would be, you would change your life in an instant. You would mm-hmm. quit the job that you hate. You would move to the place. You would do all the things that you really feel called cool to do that would actually give you fulfillment and happiness. So why would you actually even wait until then? Mm. Why would you wait until something really bad happens and your health is in such a bad place to actually do the things that you know are true for you? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and I also really like to call it the I'll be happy when society. It's the I'll be happy 100%. when, and I think we all play into this to some degree, and I know myself, I definitely have. Yeah. It's like, I'll be happy when I have the degree, when I have the house, when I have the boyfriend, when I have the money. And it's it's sort of like this invisible finishing line that anytime we get close to it, it keeps on going back and back and back and back. Yeah. And a lot of people never cross the line because mm. the line keeps on changing. Mm-hmm. And I think what I'm, again, really passionate about is helping people feel good in the moment and in the present. And when we do that and we actually step into that full self-worth and confidence as we are, it actually helps us achieve those things with so much more ease. Mm, Because we're living life right now. Mm. Like you can't think that you can put all of this on hold till when you get whatever it is that you're wanting to get. And I guess for me, being a nutritionist in the health industry specifically, the one I hear so often is, I'll be happy when I'm skinnier. I'll be happy when I fit into that size, whatever it is. And it's like, but like, what is that going to change magically within you to be so happy that then you can go and do X, Y, and Z? And I think it's really, really breaking down these boxes that society tells us we need to fit in to then be able to do X, Y, Z. Such a good example as well. Um, I really relate to that Mm. a lot. I actually, a few weeks ago, um, stepped on the scale for the first time in a while, just for a medical thing I had to do. And the number was, I guess, a little bit bigger than what I anticipated. Mm -hmm. And that triggered me a little bit, to be honest. And I was, I was really able to catch it quite quickly. And what I said to myself is how crazy is it? And if that number had been a bit lower, that would have completely changed how I felt Mm -hmm. about my body and myself even though I would have physically looked the same. How crazy is that? So true. You know, and I I could actually address that within myself of that, if that number was, yeah, like how many kilos less, I would be happy right now, even though physically I'm the exact same. Mm -hmm. And something I love to say as well is that uh, sexiness isn't a look, it's an attitude. Oh, absolutely. Confidence is like, it's a skill that you can learn. Definitely. And Again, in my experience, feeling into that, I'll be happy when, mm. and again, this is something from very much my personal life, is if you have that attitude of I'll be happy when I'm X weight or X size or I look a certain way, it'll never be enough. Mm. And so do you feel like for a lot of people, because they're stuck in that, like, I'll be happy when, and they're not actually doing the thing now, it's coming from fear? Like, definitely. Yeah? Definitely. Fear and lack. Yeah. And I think a feeling of not enoughness. Okay which is very pervasive for a lot of people as well, most of us. Yeah. Definitely. Mm. And I think like when I think back to especially moving into states, one thing that was always playing in the back of my my mind, which I guess was maybe holding me back from moving, was what if I fail? Like what will other people think then? Mm. Which I think is also like a tricky one to navigate around because it's like, well, why do we actually care so much what other people think? And I was watching this video the other day and he was talking about, you know, when you die, two weeks 
you know, people are probably going to start forgetting about you. Six months down the track, people are probably not going to be even talking about you anymore. You know, a year down the track, like in the grand scheme of things, we're a blip on this like floating ball. It's like, why do we put so much emphasis and I guess care into what others really, truly think about us. Exactly. And I think as well, it's not to say that people don't care. I think people mm. can be quite judgmental. Oh, and yeah. When people say, oh, no one cares as much as, you know, people are too busy focusing on themselves to really care about you. Mm-hmm. There is truth to that. But I think people can be very judgmental. Yes. And I think something that I've really had to come to is understanding that you just have to be okay uh-huh. with people being judgmental. And as well, whenever people do judge us, that is just a projection of the insecurities they have within themselves. And Michaela, the people that maybe would judge you for things not working out, had you moved in, it hadn't gone to plan, are also probably the same people that on a deeper level envy you for actually giving it a go mm. because they might not have the confidence within themselves to actually do that. And the other question is, is there such a thing as failure? Mm-hmm. Because had it not worked out, you would have learned what you needed to at that point in time. Yeah, absolutely. So either way, you couldn't have really failed. Yeah, you either learn or you succeed. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Uh, yeah, yeah, so good, isn't it? Okay, so how do people start to even identify what area they need to work on? So if someone's sitting there and like, okay, like I feel like I need change or I feel like I want to do something, but I just don't know where to start or what area to address. I think, I mean, it really depends on what areas of your life and it could be any area um, mm. or multiple where you feel a little bit stuck, a bit stagnant. You feel like you don't, you don't feel as at ease as what you could. Um, or as much joy, or as much flow. Mm. Mm. And I think like that's so true, because everyone's journeys are going to be so incredibly different as well. And I think when it comes to beliefs, and I'm even trying to think back, like, when did I even start this journey? Because it definitely is like peeling back layers of an onion. And I think sometimes the journey is a lot slower than mm. what you recognize. And I also think when it comes to working on your mindset, and your beliefs, and all of that, it's delayed gratification. Like you could be working on it for such a long period of time, but it's not until like you're put in a situation where you're like, oh, I've actually reacted so different to this than if it had have happened a year ago. Exactly. Something that's really important to that is I think something that um, unfortunately certain people in the personal development or spiritual space can perpetuate is this belief of um, always needing to, always needing to heal or almost like, um, needing to be at a, a certain point of um, being healed. Does mm, that make sense? Yeah, it does. And I think that really just perpetuates that that underlying belief of I'm not enough. Yeah. And I think it's important to understand that there's always going to be stuff and we're always going to have insecurities, anxieties, blocks, limitations coming up. But to realise that you're already whole and complete as you are mm. and that you don't need to reach a certain point of, quote, being healed Mm -hmm. to attract certain things into your life or feel worthy of attracting certain things into your life. Yeah, I totally resonate with that. And I think as well, going through my journey and like I'm still on a journey as well, I think one thing that really helped mentally was to to, work out and actually believe that I'm not broken. Like I don't need to be fixed. It's just Mm -hmm. that I'm working on beliefs or Uh, things that have been ingrained in me that I've been surrounded by through my childhood that maybe aren't necessarily true for me anymore, but it doesn't mean that I'm broken and that I need to be fixed. And often the only thing that you need to actually work on is the belief that you're broken or you need to be fixed in the first place. 
So yeah, just going back to that as well, I think, you know, it is so important, as you were saying, um, being able to look back and realize, wow, I, I responded in that situation so differently to what I would have had a year ago. Mm. It's incredibly important to, I think, be able to acknowledge that, how yes. much we have grown, um, you know, regardless of, of how much we, we feel like we still want to work on, uh, to be able to acknowledge how far we've come is, is really important. Yeah. You have to celebrate those like small and big wins along Definitely. the way. When it comes to beliefs, like how do we start to kind of work through them or change them and create different beliefs? And I think maybe we could even use the example of either like money or success in this situation because I love these two so much. Definitely. I love talking about money mm. so much. Um, it's an incredibly important topic. Yes. People say money doesn't buy happiness. I I disagree with that. Um, and I think it's, it's not even about – I think happiness in that situation is mm. actually irrelevant. Yeah. I think it's more about – you know, having the means to to live a life that's in alignment with our highest good mm. and just to look after ourselves and well, our health. Yeah, money solves money problems. It does. Life's expensive. And um, try saying to a homeless person that money doesn't buy happiness. Yeah. So I love talking about money and it's something that people uh, definitely have a lot of resistance mm. around. It's a very taboo topic. It's extremely taboo and otherwise we wouldn't even have those sayings in society to begin with. Yeah. So I think with money, often the best place to start is sometimes things I think have to get quite stressful or quite bad for people for them to really want to make a change. Mm. So I guess it would be starting to really look at where does your money story actually come from? Actually, before that, I would say almost getting to a point of saying this isn't actually good enough anymore mm. and that I'm sick of struggling and I'm sick of being stressed all the time mm -hmm. and I deserve better. I think that's really important. And again, it's not about needing everything. And again, yeah. people try to, they tend to think in quite black and white terms. And when you start having these conversations with people, their reaction will often be, oh, but I don't need everything. I'm not saying that should be your intention yeah. is to go suddenly pursue becoming a multimillionaire, which <laughs> if it is, there's actually nothing wrong with yeah. that. But what I'm saying is it's a good thing to want to have enough money to have a nice life yeah. and to not be stressed all the time. hundred percent. And for me, that's, that's really what it came back to. So I think in my personal experience where I really reached that point, I just got so sick of always being stressed and always worrying. Mm -hmm. And I just thought I'm too old for this. Like I'm too, life is too short. Not even about an age thing. Like life is just too short. I mean, um, okay. So I'll go back to mm. a story that happened a few years ago. Cause I think this is a really good example so uh, before the pandemic, I was living with my parents. Uh, I was probably about 24 at the time, 25, and really didn't have that much savings. And I moved out of home in January 2020 in Brisbane and um, was working in a full-time job. So yeah, really just didn't have that much savings in the bank. And then, of course, the pandemic hit and I lost my job overnight. It was international travel. And uh, like many of Australians, uh, had to apply through Centrelink for Ausstudy payments and went and lined up with 200 of my best friends outside Centrelink in Brisbane and um, at 7am in the morning and um, went in and they basically said too bad lodged at home. So the website kept on crashing and it probably took me a solid week of constantly trying because every time I'd go online the website would just crash even at 2am. So I finally lodged my payment and I was waiting about five or six weeks and in that time I was just going through all the money that I actually had. So I'm really lucky in that, you know, I do come from a family that if I'd really had to, I could get their help, but um, you still don't really want to have to do that. 
And I think it's important to acknowledge that a lot of people don't have that opportunity. Mm. Anyway, um, it actually got to the point that I had $13 in my bank account on a Friday afternoon after I'd been waiting about six weeks for my payment to come through. And I had to call the Centrelink urgent line. And that was a pretty low point. And I remember thinking, I never want to be here again. This is really bad. Like, I literally have $13 in my bank account and it's a Friday afternoon at about 4 p.m. And even the queue to get into the Centrelink um, to call up to get help Mm -hmm. was hours. So I think that's a pretty good example of, for me personally, really just just realising how, what a horrible feeling that actually was and how much I wanted to create change in that area. Yeah, I think that's such an incredible story. And I think, you know, it even helps that, when you talk about this, you're coming from a place where you've been there. Mm. You know, it's not like you're talking from a place where you've always had an abundance of money. Like you've literally been Mm. in the pit of it where you're like, I don't want to be here anymore. Mm. And you have taken the actions to change your beliefs around money to like be open to accepting and creating abundance. And I'm really lucky in that, as I said, I come from a family that I will never be homeless. Um, You know, I always have a strong support network in that sense, Mm. but you don't want to have to rely Mm -hmm. on that. And a lot of people don't have that. And I think that's the really important thing is a lot of people would have $13 in their bank account and they don't have anyone to go to who can actually help them in that situation. So that is why it is so important to have a really, you know, positive mindset towards money Mm -hmm. and not put shame towards people who express or who are working towards creating more wealth and abundance in their life. Mm. And so I think it's really about addressing those beliefs that we have our own experience with money. So, um, you know, generally, um, you know, the relationship our parents had to money will have a really big impact on how we view money. Um, So in my situation... Again, you know, my parents um, were basically upper middle class Australian, but I saw them working a lot. And from my perspective, putting their health as a a second or a third or fourth priority. Mm -hmm. And so what that created within myself was a lot of a negative association between poor health and abundance and money. And one of my highest values in this life is wealth. I'm sorry. (laughs) is, um, well, it is, but also health. Yeah. Health to me is extremely important. And so subconsciously I created this association of if I am successful and well off, mm. I will not have my health and mm. I would rather have my health and therefore I will not fully pursue opportunities that could actually create a more abundant life for me. So that's just my personal example um, that's really unique to my situation. Other people could have totally different experiences. You know, a lot of people might grow up in families that don't have much money at all. And mm-hmm. so it's just what they know. And that would give you a lot of beliefs around um, money. It's not, you know, money doesn't grow on trees. It's not possible to actually attain money. I don't deserve money, all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And then there's also a lot of societal conditioning around money. Uh, money is the root of, I don't like, I won't finish that saying. Yeah. Because I think words are really powerful, but everyone knows what I'm talking about. And um, just this cultural view of, of money makes you a bad person, essentially which it doesn't. Money is an expansion of or what we do with money is an expansion of who we are on a deeper level. And so if we are a good person with genuine intentions, we will use money in a good way. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. everything that you've said. And I think it's mm. so powerful. And I think a lot of blockages that a lot of people have towards money are sub- subconscious. 
Definitely. They have no idea. But it's just this constant frustration in their life of why can't I afford X or I can't, I can't do this or I can't do that or I can't have that because I can't afford it. You know, money is just this constant stress that looms over them every single day. Exactly, which is a horrible way to live and I know that very much from my own personal experience. As well, another thing I would suggest to people is words are very powerful and so even if you are in a situation where you're on your way to create more abundance in your life and you can't yet attain the things that you are desiring, be really mindful of the language that you use. And so something I've started to do or had started to do a while ago is instead of saying, I can't afford it, I just go, oh, um, I don't even know. I just be like, oh, I, I just can't do that now. Or mm. um, I'll, that's something I'll, I'll do in, be able to do in the future. Or I'm working towards being able to do that thing. So, you know, you're essentially saying the same thing. But when you say things like, I can't afford it, you are reaffirming within your subconscious mind that you mm-hmm. are not abundant, you're not wealthy, and that you can't actually have the things that you want to need. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, what you believe you achieve. And I think one of the biggest, like, analogies or stories that I use when trying to picture this is, I don't know if you've ever seen, like, the skiers ski through the trees. Yes. And it's like, if they focus only on the trees, they'll hit a tree. And I did that. When I first went tree skiing, I was like, how the hell do you dodge all of these trees? And I just was hitting all the trees, so I had to, like, go out and just ski back on the paths. And so when, like, the skiers are actually skiing, they focus on the snow and the path between the trees. Like, they don't even look at the trees or think about the trees because as soon as they do, they hit one. So it's like whatever you focus your mind towards and whatever you believe, you are then actually achieve that. Yeah, it's so true. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And I just think, like, money and the success and all of that, it's, I think it's such a good example because it's so common. It's so common. Everyone. Definitely. We all have limiting beliefs around money yep. to some extent and it's – what I really noticed is the more that I've been working on that. And I was, when I started to sort of realize the power of our beliefs in creating our reality, I was so excited. And I remember living with housemates at the time that I would share these realizations with, and oh, I realized this and I realized that. And that's held me back and was really excited to share these things and was met with a lot of resistance. And I think a lot of their own stuff, but people get very defensive when it comes to money. And one of the most common things is, oh, I don't, I don't need you know, all that stuff. I don't, you know, money doesn't buy happiness type thing. And it's, it's again, it's, it's really not about, you know, needing all of these different things, which, you know, again, there's actually nothing wrong with wanting Mm-mm. to buy nice things. I think that's important point to make. But on a fundamental level, it's about having a lifestyle where you're not constantly stressed and you're not constantly worrying um, because we need money to live in this life. And as an example, going back to my own example with the $13 in my bank account, had that money not come through and had I not had a family that I could have gone to, uh, that would have been a very hungry weekend, put it that way. <laughs> Lots of rice and beans. And, you know, how are you going to pay your rent? Yeah. How are you going to pay your bills? I mean, to say that money doesn't buy happiness, it's quite ridiculous when you actually think about what people are saying. Yeah. And, like, yeah, we get what they mean in a in a sense because – of course, it doesn't solve all of your life problems and magically make you happy. But like we said, money solves money problems. Money mm-hmm. problems are a large stressor for so many people. So when you don't mm-hmm. actually then have money problems in your life, you can then do other activities that mm-hmm. do bring you happiness. Definitely. Another thing I've actually experienced personally with having um, you know, a lot of money stress for many years is you end up spending so much more money because you're in such a state of stress. And so um, when you're just constantly 
because again, like we need money to survive and we need money to live. If you're financially um, not in a particularly good place, it does create just this low level of stress that I think depletes us mm. on quite a deep level. And so, you know, even things like speeding tickets, I mean, I can't unequivocally attribute being financially stressed to getting a speeding ticket, but I definitely think it's logical to say that it depletes you so much that it, it puts you into a state where you're just not as alert, you're not as um, present, you know, because you're just constantly worrying about something. But I think a better example as well is it can deplete you so much that you, then you then um, have health problems. Mm. And I know this from my personal experience. And then it creates a vicious cycle in which you're then having to spend more money getting supplements or getting help for these health problems because you have this low level of stress constantly. And then you get more stress because you're spending money you don't have. And it's this vicious cycle that just keeps repeating itself. Yeah. Uh, it's, yeah. I definitely think it's something that everyone can take a little bit from what we've just said and be like, okay, mm. well, where do you currently sit in your own beliefs and what can you start to do to change them? Definitely. Them. And I think one of the biggest things, again, is that societal belief that money is a bad thing yeah. and that wanting and desiring money, um, regardless of what the reason, makes you a bad person. So I think I'd really start there. And I'd also just look at the relationship your family had with money and how that's affected you and how that's showing up in your life. Mm, absolutely. Mm. And if we kind of like shift gears a little bit, and I've had so many conversations over the past like three or four weeks now about being in a rut and unmotivated in life mm. at the moment. And I really wanted to kind of break this down to like, well, how do you get out of those ruts? How do you kind of re-spark that motivation? Obviously, motivation is always going to come and go, no matter what you're doing in life. And that's where like discipline also has to come into play. But when you're in that rut in life, you're like, oh my God, I don't know what to do. How do I get out of this? I don't know what my like next steps forwards are. And I know that we did a bit of work at your last um, event on this specifically as well, which was incredible. So yeah, talk us through like, how do we work through a rut? I think the biggest thing when someone's feeling stuck in life is to actually give yourself a bit of validation. The reason I say that is because generally when we're feeling really stuck on something, there is quite a lot of resistance. And where there's a lot of resistance, especially if it's a routine cycle that we're going through that we keep on revisiting, there's a lot of unaddressed emotion or a really highly charged emotion. So I might, I might use the example, um, and this is something that I can speak to personally, so I'll use this one, of someone feeling very frustrated in their romantic life mm -hmm. and feeling like they're not um, having the results or meeting the right people that they actually want to. So that's an area that people can be quite uh, invalidating and quite condescending around, um, especially, again, speaking to my own personal experience when expressing these frustrations. And... Generally, what's underlying that frustration in that context of, of feeling like you're spending a lot of time being single and that you're really not meeting the right people or person is a feeling of missing out on something that other people seem to have that is totally natural to want and desire in this life. It's completely human to want a deep connection with someone else. I think what's really helped me in that is actually acknowledging that within myself of, yes, I understand why you feel a little bit of sadness or a feeling of having missed out. So I think that's the first step is that often we keep feeling stuck because we're not actually addressing or meeting the emotions underneath that feeling. So I think that's the first thing. But then beyond that, it's really about moving on and not getting uh, stuck in that feeling of resistance and not getting stuck in the emotions behind mm. that. 
So then moving on, and I think also, you know, taking really ownership of how we're contributing to that situation. Another reason that it's, it's really important to validate ourselves and come from that place of self-openness, empathy and compassion is because when we're coming from that place of self-love, we want the best for ourselves. And if we want the best for ourselves, we're able to be honest with ourselves about how we're playing a part in mm-hmm. our own problems, basically. So if someone is feeling a lot of resistance or stuckness in their life, I would encourage them to, as objectively as possible, be honest with themselves about how they're contributing to that. Yeah. And in the situation of dating, it's not to say that someone might not have had mistreatment towards them or had bad experiences, but often we're also, and this is again from my own personal experience, we're also enabling that Mm -hmm. very often. I mean, I look back at my own experiences of dating and I've enabled so much poor behaviour and put up with that. And when you put up with that with one person or multiple people, the message that you are sending to the universe is that you don't deserve anything better. Mm. So it's really important to take that accountability and that action. So that would be the next thing that I'd recommend people actually do. And again, it comes back to declaring that I'm worthy of something a lot greater than this. And when we come from that perspective or that vantage point, we're willing to make decisions and choices that reflect that. Mm, so powerful. And you're exactly right. Like what you entertain, you attract. Absolutely. And I was having this conversation with somebody the other day around friends as well. Oh, yeah. You know, some One of her friends had treated her really poorly and it wasn't the first time either. And it was to a point where we were like, the more that you entertain this, like you're going to keep attracting mm-hmm. this kind of behavior. Like just you need to put a stop to it and not stand for it anymore. Your environment creates so many, like it has such a large impact on your life. Definitely. And, you know, you become a product of the five closest people to you. Mm-hmm. So you need to surround yourself with people who like inspire you to do better, be better, push you to be that next level version of yourself. And I think like, it, yeah, it is a little bit of tough love when you say like, look at yourself. Like, but it, if the situation keeps happening time and time again, what's the common denominator? Exactly. Uh, a few years back, I actually had a so-called friend at university who basically stole my assignment, plagiarized the whole thing. Somehow I didn't think he'd get caught, but anyway. Um, and then I ended up getting an email from the university saying that um, I was being um, investigated for, I forget the word, but basically plagiarizing with him. And that created months of stress, and I had mm. to end up going to a tribunal at the university explaining what had happened, the situation. It was actually a really stressful thing to go through. Now, I can sit here and and blame him, and obviously what he did was wrong. Uh, obviously, it was a pretty stupid thing to do mm. as well, but he would never have done that had he thought that I would actually do something about it. And you know what's so crazy? This was many years ago now. I was probably about 20 at the time. But in that whole time, I never even approached him because I didn't feel like I could, which is crazy. Mm. But, you know, if I'm not actually standing up for myself, what message does that send? And so on an energetic level, this is, again, playing into that being too nice, which is Mm. a pattern that I used to play into a lot. When you're too nice to people and too amenable, they'll take advantage. Absolutely. And so you have to actually take ownership of that. And you can't just blame other people of, oh, poor me and be the victim it's you know I'm sending the message by being too nice of a person and not standing up for myself that they can do that Mm, you can be kind but you don't have to be nice and with you maybe it's you who told me that yes there's a huge difference I'm actually doing a post on this uh so 
being too nice is it's being amenable to the yep. insecurities of other people and it's playing small and always smiling and yes person yes exactly saying yes to things that don't feel right and that mm. you don't actually want to yeah being kind is a good thing being mm. kind it's being empathetic caring compassionate i think we're both quite kind people well, i know we are but being nice it's not actually standing up for how you really feel being nice it's you're putting other people before you which I know we've been conditioned to think yeah. that's a good thing. I don't actually think it is. I think it's a good thing in most situations to put ourselves first. And when we do that, we can then show up for other people in the best way possible. Yeah, you can't pour from an empty cup. Exactly. Mm. And you're right. I think we are definitely conditioned in that way. Mm. And especially in Australia, like tall poppy syndrome as well. Mm. Like, And as soon as you are putting yourself first or you're doing things for you, it's like, oh, you're a bit selfish. Like, mm. how dare you do that? Shouldn't you have done, like, X, Y, and Z for them? It's like, well, if it wasn't right for you then, like, mm. and 100%, like, there are some times where maybe you do put a loved one's needs before yours in that moment, and that's okay. But when it comes to, like, your own happiness, your life, like, mm. your health and all of that, mm. there are times where you need to actually stand up and be like, no. Like, uh, and I think what another biggest thing is if you don't want to, let's take a social event for an example, how often do you write a full paragraph of like, this You definitely used to be me, of all the reasons why you can't go. Mm. Whereas now if I don't actually want to go, it's like, no, actually, like, I'm just, I just can't go. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not come. I actually noticed that within myself the other day. I was, I don't even remember what it was about, but it was something that I couldn't do. And I felt myself over explaining in the message, mm. like, oh, sorry, I can't do this, blah, 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 blah. And I actually stopped myself and was like, why am I over explaining to this person? It's just, I can't do it. Yeah. Sorry, can't do it. Or not even sorry. Can't do it. All the best. Thanks so much. I don't even remember what it was about. But I definitely remember witnessing that within myself, that tendency to over explain and yeah. to apologize for me not being able to accommodate someone else. Mm. And again, as we said, there are always going to be times in your life, especially yeah, if you have children course. or a baby or something, you, yeah. you do need to put their needs before your own. But I think by and large, it's really important to always um, really come from a place of what's best for you. And because of that, then you can actually serve other people from the best place possible. Yeah, I love that. I think it's so powerful and mm. something that's not spoken about enough. Definitely not. So it's good to be kind, yeah. but you don't want to be too nice because if you're too nice, unfortunately, people will take advantage and yeah. then, you know, you are kind of allowing it. Yeah, absolutely. And the more mm. you allow, like the more it's just going to keep happening. Definitely. And it doesn't matter who it's with because if it's with one person, again, the message that that sends out into the universe is that you don't think you're worthy of anything else. Mm. And so... Often they say um, people might date the same person with a different name. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really looking at the patterns of what are the patterns within these people. Going back to the dating example, why am I attracting the same person? Well, why are you allowing it? Mm. Because, yes, it's horrible when people do mean things and they say mean things. And, again, I'm only saying this from very personal experience, but why are you putting up with that? Mm. You know, and the minute you decide I actually deserve something a lot better – and this isn't good enough and I'm not going to entertain this anymore is very powerful. Yeah. Mm, love it. So I know like this all probably ties into this one as well, but when it comes to wanting to live a life that you're more aligned with, what steps you have to take or even like breaking down, how do you just actually take that step? Like take that leap of faith 
whether it succeeds or fails, like, mm. how do you actually do that to be like, okay, well, this is the direction that I need to go to live that life that feels so much more aligned with me than what I'm currently doing now. I think the first thing, like we said before, is realizing there's actually no such thing as failure. Yeah. And that when you might make a choice, it didn't work out. There was a part of you, I believe, there's a part of you that wanted to do that. So you could learn that lesson or fully integrate that lesson on a deeper level. Mm-hmm. So I think taking out success and failure from it and seeing your life as a whole I think when it comes to, you know, living in alignment with what it is that you really want and feel, the first thing is actually understanding what's in alignment for you. So what are your values? What do you care about? I think that's the first thing. I think then also acting based on intuition. Again, we're very conditioned to make decisions from our logical brain, which is a good thing. There's definitely um, space for that. But I think we also need to make decisions in life based on what feels right. Mm. And I know myself, there have been times, um, for instance, with certain jobs where logically it's made sense, but it just hasn't felt right. And going into it, I've known that and I've known this job just isn't going to work out. And it ended up being a nightmare and a very painful six months or year or however long it was. So I think starting to make decisions based on what our gut's actually telling us and what feels right within our body. And that's a really hard thing to do. But it's like a muscle and the more you practice it, the clearer that answer and that channel actually becomes and the easier it gets. So I think that's a a big thing. I think also just really speaking to what feels right authentically for you. And that can be very hard, especially in the online space, because you might ruffle some feathers feathers sometimes. Mm, And, you know, Michaela, you're such a good example of that as well, like really speaking to what you believe. And that comes across. You can really feel that energy, which is very powerful. Mm. So in terms of living in a life that's in alignment with how you really feel, it's knowing what it is that you believe and what you value, Mm -hmm. acting on that, making decisions based on what intuitively feels right and practicing that time and time again, because the more you practice it, the easier it will get and not being afraid to speak your truth. Uh, As an example, um, I won't go into what the the issue was, but about a year ago, my mum and I had a disagreement over something and that was really hard. And about six months later, she ended up coming to me and said, while she did not agree with me on the actual issue, she was really proud of me for standing up for what I believed. And that meant the world to me. So when you actually speak your truth, regardless of what it is people respect that Mm -hmm. and they'll notice it as well Mm, absolutely I think Mm. the values one is interesting because when you start to break your values down there's definitely value like things that you value that you probably maybe don't actually realize that you do Mm. that you don't want to value Mm. and these are things that actions that you might do every single day so for an example like let's say you smoke cigarettes, like you value smoking because every single day you take that daily action to Mm. light that cigarette and to actually smoke it. And so there's things like that or like, you know, if you love um, social validation or Mm. external validation and you're constantly seeking that, like that's something that you value. And I think it's really interesting when you actually start to break down what are things that you look for, what are the daily actions that you do and actually say, what do you value? Yeah, exactly. Mm. Another thing actually that just came through was, you know, living in alignment for what's right for you. It's also about looking at um, the pressure that we've had placed on ourselves to meet external validation from such a young age. So again, looping back to this, there's so much pressure on us from society with, you know, projecting onto us a view of what potential and success actually is. Mm. And a lot of people have messages sent to them from a really young age of what they 
what society or their parents or their school um, believes that they should be doing. So again, speaking to my experience of going to an all-girls private school, there was so much emphasis put on doing something really academic like law, medicine, engineering, um, all of those sorts of things. And that can derail us from really pursuing what it is that we might feel naturally drawn to or naturally good at because we're sent these messages of success looks like this mm. and not this. So another big part of feeling into what's in alignment for ourselves is understanding the projections that have been put onto us and whether or not they actually feel right for us. Yeah. Because for some people doing medicine or engineering is totally in alignment and that is what they really want to do. But for some people it's not. Some people might want to go do acting or singing or become a musician, but they feel like they can't for lots of different reasons. Yeah. So that's really important. Mm, absolutely. Mm. Now, we do have some quick fire questions. Yes. So the first one is, what is one thing you must do every morning to set your day up? You'll love this one. <laughs> so one of the first things, definitely have a good breakfast. Yes. I love good breakfast. And I, if I don't have a good breakfast, it's nourishing and um feeling enough yeah. and also yummy, I just will not be satisfied mm. for the rest of the day. So that's a big thing. I think also I don't like rushing in the morning. Yeah. So I like having a little bit of space to actually have a good breakfast. I do like going for a walk in the morning on the beach. Really lucky to live a street from the beach. So I think really making the most of that's also important to me. Yeah. What's your go-to breakfast? So at the moment I'm doing um, quinoa flakes with uh, a protein yep. and then some coconut yogurt with some oh. chia seed and some cacao nibs and some berries wow. and some mango. It's so good. Yum. Yeah. How cool So good. I know. <laughs> <laughs> or usually I'll do like avocado and toast with a smoothie. Mm. Like that's what I always have. Honestly, like the, all my housemates have always commented really having good breakfast there. But yeah, I love it. So it's it's for the day. so important. Love it. What is one thing everyone can do every day to improve their life? I think appreciating the small things yeah. and I think, you know, also communicating and sharing with people the impact they have on you. Mm. You know, I think that's really important. So appreciating, you know, communicating to a friend um, how much they mean to you, that sort of stuff. And wow. I think just mm. sharing more compassion and it's going to sound really cheesy, but I think just sharing more love and, yeah. you know, it can even be just cuddling your dog and, and realising, you know, what a special thing that is. Um, yeah. And it's something that we really take for granted. Mm, I think so. But, yeah, just those small things, I think really having gratitude and appreciation for that. Uh-huh. And, like, anything can happen in, like, the blink of an eye. And you never know, Definitely. you know, I mean, it's a bit morbid, but, like, mm. when it's someone's last day or whatever. Exactly. And, like, a lot of the time you only ever regret things that you didn't do. Exactly. Like, so let's say, you know, a loved one does pass. Mm. And like unexpectedly, you would mm. only ever regret never sending that message to let them know mm. how much you do actually love them. Mm. So I guess if you're sitting there and you're thinking like, exactly. oh, wow, I should probably like call, give this person a call or mm. text them, do it. I, a few weeks ago, actually um, went to this breathwork event and I sort of realized through that how I don't really share with my parents enough how much I love them. And I mm. sent my mom a message after saying, oh, if I don't say it enough, I do really love you both. She probably received it like, what the hell? But because <laughs> I think people, they get those sort of messages and they go, what? But but that's so sad is because that's how conditioned we are yeah. as a society to not share those things. But I really realized in that moment, I probably don't actually share with my family enough um, how much they mean to me. Yeah. And I, sh I should share that more. Yeah. 
hundred percent. I remember the first time I said, um, like, love you to dad over the mm-hmm. phone and he went so yeah. funny. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would be the same. <laughs> yeah. Yep, you do. Bye. Okay. <laughs> exactly. But you're so yeah. right. Like, that's just how we've been conditioned. Definitely. And it means the world to people. I know if someone ever shares that with me, it really does mean the world. So it can really make someone's day. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. How, um, what is your favourite quote and why? Okay, again, this is going to sound a bit cheesy, but it's yeah. a really good quote. It's Gandhi's Be the Change You Want to See in the World, I think Ooh. is such a good quote. Mm. And I really believe that. I think if there's something that you see that um, you're really passionate about, then there's a reason for that mm-hmm. and that you're the best person to actually channel that in a productive and healthy way. One of my clients the other day is feeling a bit unsure about what she wants to do work-wise. And I said to her, what makes you angry? And she probably kind of looked at me like, that's a weird question. And I said, because if something really makes you angry, that means that you really care and that you're probably a really great person to create change in that way. So for her, the answer, she goes, oh, climate change. That actually really makes me angry, climate change and global warming. And I was Mm -hmm. like, well, why don't you go do environmental science or something? And she hadn't even thought about that. Mm. So often I know the things that make me really angry, it's because I really care about them. Yeah, that's a great way of putting it. Yeah, and I see something that's to me not right and I want to change that in some way. Yeah. Love it. Now, one question that I love to ask all my podcast guests is, in the distant future, when you are looking back at your life, what do you think will be your biggest achievement or one thing that you'll be most proud of? And this could be something that you have already done or it could also be something that you're hoping to do in the future. Mm. It's a hard one. I think lots of things come up. Yeah. I would say being someone that expresses my truth and that if I see something in society that I don't agree with, trying to do something about that to change it in a positive way. I would say that's what it is. Yeah. I love that. I love that question because I also think that we don't actually express things enough about what we are proud of or we don't really have the opportunity to almost as well. Yeah, definitely. And again, it's something that people almost feel guilt around sharing. So whenever I do my workshops, one of the icebreakers I like to do is I ask people, what's your name? What's your star sign, like your sun sign? And what is something you really love about yourself? And a lot of people really struggle with that question. Yeah. And they say, oh, I don't, I don't, I'm really struggling. I don't, can't think of anything. And I think that's kind of sad. And as well, I think to really create meaningful change in our lives in a deep way, we have to come from that place of complete self-love acceptance because when we appreciate so many different amazing qualities about ourselves, it's actually a lot easier to be honest with ourselves about the areas of growth or the things that we could work on. Mm, Yeah, absolutely. And I know with my clients especially, one thing that we really try and do is to change the mindset pathways of when that we have our check-ins and all of that, it's so automatic for people to be like, okay, well, X, Y, Z didn't go well this week. Like, it was such a bad week. Mm. And really flip that and be like, well, what were the wins that you had? Because Mm. I guarantee you that even though there were some challenges and there were some struggles throughout the week, you had so many amazing moments and you've actually had so many wins. So let's go through those first and then let's actually work through what didn't go so well and what were the challenging moments. So that, that they change that pathway of actually starting to think about the small wins and the successes first. Definitely. I love that. What's your answer? Oh, to that question. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Nobody's throwing it back at me. Um, as in like the full question that I asked you. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think it would be helping like what I do every day, like helping young women to 
heal their relationship with food and just take back control over their lives, like to have that confidence within themselves again, because that confidence then comes into, yeah, being in control around food and not letting food control you, but the flow and effect that it has into so many other areas of their lives is just crazy to watch. And I know that when I healed my relationship with food, like I actually went through that as well. I was like, holy shit, like my relationship with food wasn't good, but it was actually stemming off into other areas of life because I didn't have confidence. Like I didn't have confidence in food, but I didn't have confidence in myself to do anything else. Mm -hmm. So like everything else was like falling by the wayside, like friendships, relationships, business, like all of that. So like, yeah, obviously I, I am nutritionist. I love the health side of it. But the flow and effect is just crazy. Yeah, which is incredible. I mean, speaking from my own experience of having, you know, restrictive eating mm. in the past, people don't actually understand the effect that has uh-uh. on all aspects of your life. Yeah. People think it's just, oh, you know, she just doesn't think that she, she just wants to be skinnier or, you know, she's a bit fussy with food. That's people don't actually realize that that seeps into everything. You know, you know, try going on holidays and, yeah. and not being able to, to eat the foods or you know, to being stressed and, and constantly worrying or to being at work and, and thinking about, you know, what you're going to eat that night and stressing about it or undernourishing yourself and all you can think about is food. It really takes over your life and people don't actually realise the impact of that. Uh-uh. So to be doing that work is incredible. Yeah, and when I was working for um, one of the world's largest weight loss companies, I had this woman who did come up to me and she was in her 70s and she had a book a trip booked overseas to Europe for like four or six weeks I think and she had lost a lot of weight but she was so scared of going on this holiday in the fear of gaining the weight Mm. to the point where she cried she sat stood there and cried because she didn't want to eat the pasta she didn't want to eat the croissant like her relationship with food was not healthy and you know we're trying to work through how can she actually approach this holiday in a much more helpful way and one thing that we started talking about is the impact that her relationship was having on her relationship with her husband because her husband said to her I'm not going overseas you know and because he wants to eat the pasta he wants to eat the croissants he's like I don't want you to have a breakdown every single restaurant we go to I don't want to have to skip meals just because you know you're in you're fearing a bowl of pasta at the moment and she took that really really hard and I get like he was coming from a place of frustration and anger at the time because he was in his mind he's like how is this possible like you know food is food I don't understand this which is you know totally understandable on his side she's taken it really to heart and she was just starting to realize that okay you know she has lost weight um but now it's got to a point where like her obsession has gone to another level where she doesn't actually have a healthy relationship with food anymore and it's not just her her mindset it's actually impacting her relationship with her husband Mm. and that realization for her was really really hard yeah and it's where again you know I'm all for people being healthy yes. and eating well. Yes. But there's a really big difference in terms of your intention. And so you can come from a place of deprivation or self-love. Yeah. You know, and you be eating potentially the same meal. Yeah. But something I really like to take into account is, you know, understanding that I'm worthy and deserving of experiencing the finer things in life. Mm. And I do find 80 to 90% of the time I'm naturally drawn to really wholesome, nutritious, um, nutrient-dense foods. Mm. But there's always that space to enjoy life. And especially if you're overseas, you know, I know that from my own personal experience being in France or Italy Mm. and not having the pasta and not having the gelato and feeling like it wasn't okay to have those things and not having the richest or deepest experience possible. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's it. I think there is a little bit of a miss conception of when it comes to healing your relationship with food it doesn't mean that you're then just going to you know eat everything that you've Mm. been restricting like you're not going to you know then have a diet that's completely 
ice cream, chips, chocolate, no. whatever like that, you still honor your health and you still make sure that you're hitting all of the nutrients that are required. Like you're still feeling your best, but you also allow yourself to have all of the foods that feed your soul, feed your mind that, you know, when you do eat it, you can have a portion of it, feel satisfied and move on with life rather than feeling like you need to eat the entire packet. Intention is really important as well. Yeah. Um, have you heard about the milkshake study? So the milkshake study, essentially, I can't quote the author of the year or anything like that, but essentially my understanding was it was a study um, where they took two groups of people and they told one group that it was a high calorie milkshake and heaps of fat and sugar and whatever else. And then they took a another group that told them it was a low calorie milkshake, so really low in calories and the fat and the sugar. And then they measured their response, so like blood sugar, blood sugar and glucose and insulin um, and the rate at which they actually burned the fat off and there was a really significant difference between the two groups mm. based on what they were told again that's probably not the most scientific explanation that's just my understanding of it but what I really took from that was our beliefs around food are so powerful and if we think of something as being quote-unquote bad that will actually have a much worse effect on our health in creating a stress response than if we realize that there's no good or bad food it's just food it's totally neutral and you know that it's also good to have things that mm. sort of nourish our souls and that are fun foods and you know foods that um we may not necessarily have for every meal but it's really not the end of the world no you know mm. exactly right and like your gut health comes into play in that as well because mm. when your body's under that constant stress and if you're always stressing about what you've had today what you had yesterday what was the next meal what is the next meal going to be that's putting a lot of stress on your gut health. And then if you always are constantly restricting lots of foods and you're almost keeping to like your safe foods, mm -hmm. um, your gut doesn't get that variety that it needs to thrive. So then that has a, a fall-on effect to your health as well. Definitely. I think that'll be our next podcast. Oh, 100%. <laughs> we'll have to do one Michaela of that. and I both have had lots of gut yeah. issues. Yeah, definitely. Journey in itself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we'll have to do a whole um, separate episode on that. So... Tell the audience, like, where can they find you? And do you have anything exciting that's coming up that you want to share with them? Yeah, definitely. Okay, so the best place to find me is Ignited with Sarah Kate. That's my Instagram handle. That's all one word, all lowercase. Mm -hmm. So that's definitely the best place to reach out to me. Uh, I am opening up for one-on-one -on -one clients. So that's an eight-week program where what I'm really wanting to do again is help people who feel and will know on a very deep level they have so much to give the world but they're just not quite getting there. You know, they're, just, they're blocked in mm. some way. So that's what I'm really passionate about. I also do workshops. So my next workshop is at Greenhouse the Bathhouse on the Gold Coast on the 29th of October. And that's Feel Safe to Be Seen. So that's essentially really helping people feel safe to express their authentic truth, whether it's in person, on the online space, in business, wherever it is, or life in general. Mm, I love that and mm. your link to your Instagram and all that will be in your in the show notes of this podcast thank as well you. for easy access thank for everyone you. but thank you so much for coming mm. on and sharing so much insightful knowledge with us all I think today's episode a lot of people are going to walk away with a lot of uh-huh moments like oh yeah like or I'll, they have to go away and do a lot of deep thinking and maybe even some journaling to break through some beliefs that they have and change them and actually just go out and start to live a life that you want to be living like you are capable of so much more than you ever give yourself credit for and like whatever you put your mind towards you can achieve definitely I think also if I had to put a nutshell what it is that I do with people it's I help people create a life they don't feel like they need to escape love that you work like you work so much more like the five days 
and then you only have a two-day weekend, mm. right? So you want to be waking up every day, not having this constant stress and restraint and resistance to going and doing what you do. It would be so – imagine what life would be like if you work every day and be like, yeah. Definitely. Today's going to be a great day. It's yeah. Monday. I love that. Yeah, and there's no reason not to. Mm-mm. Yeah, we definitely live in a society where it's almost the norm to thrash yourself Monday to Friday and then use the weekend as an escape. Definitely. Yeah, I love that. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of Naked Mornings Podcast. What an inspiring episode with Sarah. I hope that you really got something out of it. If you did, I would love to hear from you. Shoot me through a DM. I'd love to connect with you. My Instagram is kjwellness with three S's. But I hope you enjoy the rest of the day or the night wherever you are. And I'll talk to you in the next episode. Bye.